Hello, this is Reverend Erichikmeko. I'm glad to come to you through this medium. As you listen to the word of God today, I pray that you will be impacted, your life will be transformed, and you experience God. Kingdom blessings. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you will speak to us this morning. We ask the Lord you will cause revelation to come to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm speaking on kingdom partnership. Kingdom partnership. All right. Someone say kingdom partnership. All right. I want you, under- I want you to understand that we've all been called into this kingdom as partners with God. Our assignment is to fulfill God's internal purpose. God's internal purpose. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It's a popular text. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people but now a people of God who had obtained mercy who had not obtained mercy but now had obtained mercy so the Bible says that we are a royal, we are chosen generation, royal priest, a holy people a special people, say I'm a special person and our assignment is to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light once we're not a people, but now we are a people of God. So I want you to know that everyone at the sound of my voice is a special person. What a blessing and a privilege is it to serve with God. Now today I'll be sharing on the three stages of kingdom partnership. Three stages of kingdom partnership. Number one, we are in partnership with God. We are in partnership with God. We are all called into stewardship as a kingdom person. So we are called into stewardship as a kingdom person. Every believer is called of God to work in his kingdom. So every believer is called of God to work in his kingdom such that his internal purposes will be achieved. His internal purposes will be achieved. And I want you to know that the ultimate agenda of God is to get humanity back to him. At the end of the day, it is not the churches, we could build churches, do all kinds of things, but the ultimate assignment of God is to get humanity back to him because he does not want anyone to perish. So, God does not want any of us to perish, nobody to perish. So the ultimate agenda of God is that, and his internal purpose is to get us back to him. Hallelujah. That is why the church is one of the tools that God is using to restore mankind. The church is one of the tools God is using to restore mankind. Now, I want you to understand that normally, God plants churches in the community as gatekeepers. So, 
Open Heavens Temple, Rock Temple, Ashi Assembly. All these churches have been planted in, communi- in the communities as gatekeepers. What are gatekeepers? Gatekeepers are those who allow people in and out. But we are spiritual gatekeepers. So the church is not just there. The church is not just there. Very, very important. The church is not just there. I remember the first day that I had to meet the owners of the land for where we are now. I gave the lawyer a strong warning that if they sell this land to any company, God will hold them responsible. Yeah, I, I was very bold about it. Because God wanted a church there. And the church is a gatekeeper. The church controls the spiritual atmosphere. The church allows things to happen. That is why where there are not churches in communities, the enemy has a, 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 a because a, a, every church is an altar of God. Every church is an altar of God. I'm going somewhere. That is why as a local church, we must carry an apostolic mandate. I'm not talking about the apostolic where people throw around. But to carry an apostolic mandate is that we are supposed to be kingdom-minded. The apostolic mandate is talking about the fact that the local church must be kingdom-minded. And if kingdom-minded, God-minded. If kingdom-minded, then God-minded. That is why I can boldly say that our churches in the communities are gates churches. Gates churches. Therefore, our assignment is not only to have church or more or less to play church. But we are supposed to become as God's people who control the atmospheres. Now, I want to say that I dare say to you that you don't go to a church because it is closer to you. You don't go to a church because it is, you take advantage because of the distance. But you go to a church because it is there to help you fulfill your kingdom stewardship call. So you don't go to a church because it's close to you. You go to a church because its assignment is to help you fulfill your kingdom stewardship call. So I want to admonish you here that you are all in your churches because you are there to fulfill your kingdom stewardship call. God is the one who has called us. So you are in your, that ministry. You are in that place because you are a steward. What is a steward? A steward is the one that God has placed an assignment into the hands. So when you go to a restaurant, you see a steward is there. He's there to serve. To make sure that every client or every customer come is taken care of. So as church workers, we must understand that we are moving from just attending church and, play, and more or less being in church than serving. So if you don't understand that, that means that you'll be there just because you want to be there. But you are there because God has an assignment for you. So all of us are in our local churches because it's an assignment for us there. And our assignment is still worship. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Romans chapter 12. 
It's a popular text. I'm not teaching anything that is out of the river. I just want to get understand. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 21. I'm going to read a bit of it, then I'll move. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says that, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, for which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of a mind that you may prove that which is good, acceptable, perfect will of God. So, the Bible says that we must be transformed. So, number one, we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice. So now, your body does not belong to you. Your body, what is sacrifice? Sacrifice means that your energy, your strength, everything is for kingdom. Your energy, your strength, and everything is for kingdom. It's for kingdom. Say it's for kingdom. Which is our reasonable service. It talks about holiness and everything, but the ultimate thing is that we are serving. So when you are, you are, you are serving in a ministry, it is your, it's your reasonable service. It's your reasonable service. And it says that because of that, we should not be conformed to the world. What does the world say? Serve God when you want to serve God. What does the world say? When you come to church and you are offended, leave. When you come to church and you don't like the pastor, go. Now let's go continue reading from verse 3. For I say to you, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think highly of himself more than he ought to, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one of us according to the measure of faith. For we are members in one body, but not all the members do have the same function. So we are many members in one body and in one members of one another. Having then gifts according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If it is prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. If it is ministry, which most of us are doing, let's use it in our ministry. If he who teaches with, in teaching, he who is sought in a sort, he who gives with liberality and he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So here Paul was talking about the various gifts, and according to uh, Peter Wagner, one of the, the church, the contemporary church um, 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 history man says that there are about 26 gifts in the church. 26 of them. So just few of them here. So the Bible is saying that all of us are doing it based on our grace. Based on our grace. The word grace there, uh, the, the, the grace there is metron. So everybody has his level and grace. And it's very important that we understand wherever we are functioning, we are there to function, and whatever we are doing, we should do it. So all of us must understand that we are in partnership with God. Say we are in partnership with God. So you are not in your church because you want to be there. So God has planted that church that you and God can work to achieve his internal purpose. What is his internal purpose? To get people to heaven. At the end of the day, to get people to heaven. At the end of the day, to make, make people get to where God has called them to become. Number two, we are in partnership with the set man. We are in partnership with the set man. We are in partnership with the set man. One of my favorite scriptures is in Psalm 68 verse 11. The Bible says that the Lord gave the word, but great was the company of those who proclaimed it. The Lord gave the word, but great was the company who proclaimed it. In order for God's kingdom agenda 
to be fulfilled, he calls men to respond to his assignment. That is why the Bible says that no man enters this office by choice. Nobody enters, nobody else gets up and says, I want to be called. If you call yourself, you have to anoint yourself. Hallelujah. But I want you to know that when God calls a man, other men too are called in various seasons to join to help that agenda. So God calls a man and other men also are called to join. That is why I believe that I am here as a local pastor of, of I Open Heavens under Dr. Mensah Otabel. So, therefore, my kingdom assignment is to serve God and to serve Dr. Otterbell. I'll say it again. My kingdom assignment as a pastor of Open Heavens Temple, you as a pastor of Rock Temple, as a pastor of, of, uh, of Zoe Temple, is that you are supposed to serve God first and serve the set man. So, when God was calling Dr. Otterbell, all of us were being called. So God gives a word. The Bible says that the Lord gave the word. But great was the company of those who proclaimed it. So our callings are tied to the set man. So there's something we call sympathetic resonance between Dr. Mensa Otabel. Maybe I'm using myself as an example. Am I calling? Is somebody hearing me? So very, very important. So when God was calling Dr. Otterbell, he was calling all of us. So because God was an agenda that he wants to raise a church to fulfill his agenda, and when he called the man, all of us are called. So you did not come here by yourself. So if you connect to the calling on the man of God, the favor on the man's life and ministry rubs on you too. Let me say it again. So when you genuinely connect to the man, the set man, the same covenant that God has with that man begins to speak on your behalf. And I've been ICGC for some time. I think since I, from the, 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 the early 90s, I mean 80s rather, I have seen one thing, and I'll say it boldly. I have, we have pastors, and you can see that their heart is not connected to the vision. They struggle in their churches. That also means that if you are a church worker, and you are not connected to the set man there, you realize that you are working, but you are not getting progress. It's a spiritual principle. I'll show you. So, if you are here, you, are also, you must also be in covenant with your head pastor. Just as your, your, past, your head pastor is in covenant with Dr. Mensah Otterbell. I serve on the sanctions committee and sometimes we have to call pastors who refuse to pay common fund. And any time they sit in front of us, problems. And we don't have money. And we are going through problems. And we are going through problems. It's because they have refused to connect to the, 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 the anointing on the man. We don't give the man, man the money. He pays also his common fund. He also pays his common fund. That is why if you are going to serve, <laughs> you are going to serve in the ministry you are in, 
then you must be ready to connect to the man of God. Therefore, the configuring of your DNA is from his DNA. So the spirit on that man comes on you. I will say this here. If you are in a bank, you are working for your God and working for your MD. Yeah? It's the same thing. That is why if you are not doing the right things that your MD wants you to do, you are the first to be retrenched. If possible, sacked. In the church, we can't sack you. But what happens is that you realize that there's no progress in your life. Because there's an anointing that is present. There's an anointing that is on the house. There's a strong oil that is on the house. And you must be connected. Hallelujah. You must remember that not all the school of the prophets of Elijah caught the spirit of Elijah. Yes, I was showing that. There were several schools. There was school of the prophets in Bethel, school of the prophets in, 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 in uh, Jericho. But none of them caught it. Even there was a school of prophets at the Jordan. But only one person got that spirit. So the spirit, the spirit of Elijah, Elijah came upon only Elijah because he was connected. He knew whatever was going to order. The school of the prophet, the guy said, oh, do you know your master is going to take you today? Yeah, he's going today. But he didn't have the DNA. That is why if you belong to a house, you must pray that you'll be connected to the DNA of the house. I tell people come and say, oh, Eric, why? How is it you have done so much in church? I said, 50% is God, 50% is my loyalty to Dr. Otabel. Period. Joshua chapter 11, verse 15. I'm going to show you something that will amaze you. Do, do, do you have it on the screen? Joshua chapter 11, verse 15. Let's all read it. He says that, as the Lord commanded Moses his servant, so did Moses also command Joshua. So did so did Joshua, and he left nothing undone that the Lord commanded Moses. So let me assume, let me just, uh, Pastor Ejiban, come. Pastor um, uh, Ed Richmond, come. So I commanded him to bring the iPad. Wait. I commanded you to bring it. I commanded you to bring the iPad. Then you commanded him to bring the iPad. So go and bring the iPad. No, his iPad, his iPad, his iPad. So when he commanded him to bring his, this iPad, now I commanded him to bring the iPad, but Joshua is the one who brought the iPad and he did everything that I commanded Moses. So when they command your pastor and your pastor commands you and you do what your pastor has done, you have done what God says you should do. the Lord commanded Moses his servant so did Moses commanded Joshua and Joshua did and he, he left nothing undone that the Lord commanded this thing. So if Joshua said that, oh, that's for me uh, it is you are telling me eh, you, you are my, my, God has commanded you but I don't care what happens is that you are not making Moses fulfill every assignment so if you are serving in the church if you are serving in the church, you are not just serving in the church. You are serving God and you are serving the set man. And I've always said it. 
that as long as I am in ICGC, I'm serving God and I'm serving Dr. Mensah Hotabel. Period. So I cannot be in the organization and say, as for me, I disagree. I'm serving God, but I don't want to serve Dr. Hotabel. When he gives you an instruction, I will not do it. And that's what some church workers do. When the pastor gives an instruction, they don't care. Do you know what they are doing? You are disobeying God, not the man of God. You are disobeying God, not the pastor. You may not like my face. You may not like my tonation. You may not like how I look. You may not like my dynamics. You may not like my attitude. You may not like how I do things. But as long as you want to remain here and remain in your church, the best is that just follow instruction. So anytime you do what God has commanded your leader, you are doing what God, you are obeying God directly. So when you don't do what your leader has called you to do, you are disobeying God. Amen? All right. Now we are in partnership. The third partnership is, so we are in, first one, we are in partnership with God. Then we are in partnership with the set man. And the third one, we are in partnership with each other. We must also know that as a church workers, that God has called us to fulfill our calling through the local church. God has called us to fulfill our calling through the local church. Through the local church. Now remember that when I say we are in partnership with God, the purpose where God wants to reach cities and nations and communities, that's why we plant churches. So the churches are now gates churches. They become where God can reach the community. Thus, we must understand that we cannot fulfill this alone, but in team or ministry group. So that means that if you are going to serve God and fulfill his assignment, you can't do it alone. That is why we are in teams. That is why you are in a ministry group. That's why you are, you are in the ushering ministry. That is why you are in the choir. That's why you are in the evangelism. That's why you are in the protocol. I want you to understand that wherever you are serving today as an usher, as an intercessor, the music ministry is connected to your heart because God put the desire there. You did not just enter the ministries you serve in because you wanted to be there. Once in a while, the pastor of the house can choose you and say, go into this ministry because he's seeing more than what you are seeing. But the reason why somebody joins the choir, didn't join the prayer warriors, is that when the choir is sinking, there's a sympathetic resonance. There's something. That is why the day you don't come and sing, the day that you don't go to rehearsal and you don't sing and the choir is sinking, you feel guilty. Oh, yes. And that guilt is being, is being, you're being convicted by the Holy Spirit, not the pastor. And what happens is that because you have displayed that you are part of the choir, people begin to ask you, why didn't you sing today? Because that, you told us that you want to serve. So when they don't see you in the choir, they say, what happened? You didn't rope today. You didn't sing today. Have you noticed what I'm saying? Because it was God who put a desire for you there to join. Let's go to um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 7. Now, concerning spiritual gift, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant, but know that you were Gentiles carried away to these damp idols, however, wherever you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking of the spirit, seen by the Spirit of God called Jesus a curse, but no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. Let's go like critical. The Bible says there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
So now, that same spirit there is the one that made you join the ministry you are in. So you come to church and say, sometimes you say, oh, pastor, after praying, I felt like joining. So some of the people have joined ministries I don't even know. I only see them serving because God put that desire there in your heart. There are differences of ministry by the same Lord. So the gifts and where we serve is influenced by the Spirit of God. Then it talks about there are diversities of ministries by the same Lord. That's why Ephesians chapter 11 comes because it is God who gives us the calling. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. It's the Lord who calls. That is why anytime you see somebody like Pastor Amu, Pastor Amu is a gift. He is a gift. God forbid, the day I die, my gift is gone. I have always remember my good friend, all of us, our friend, Apostle, Apostle Johnson. Anytime I, I, I remember him, I said that was a gift we lost. There can't be a, repli- a replacing of him. So it's God who calls us. That's why every pastor and every church member should know that no pastor takes it upon himself. I know people are entering ministry because they think it's lucrative. But you see the difference. You see the difference. Amen? Then he said that, but the same Lord, there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. So we have the spirit, diversity of gifts, diversity of ministries, then diversities of activities. I want to just pass by. Now, God has placed different churches, organizations with different activities. Here we are. This very organization is strongly evangelistically driven. So it's, an act, it's a diversity of activity. But at the end of the day, it's like all of us are driving to Kumasi, but we have different buses. So this one is going towards Kumasi. ICGC is going towards Kumasi. Action is going towards Kumasi. That is why um, uh, other churches like uh, uh, Dr. Ampiakovic's church is going to, is going to uh, is, uh, Perez Chapel is going towards Kumasi. At the end of the day, we are making it to heaven, but the way we do it is different. For these people, they plant churches, but they do crusades. What I noticed in ICG is that God has called us to plant churches in community, then we now do evangelism and get people into the church. It's the same thing. So, they are diverted seats of activity, but the same God. That does not mean one church is better than the other. Amen? Amen. For, verse 12, for as one body is one and has many members, not all the members, not of, of not, but not of, 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 but not all the members of that one body, but many members are in one body, also in Christ. For by one spirit we're baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether Ewe, whether Asante, whether Gan, whether Frafra, whether Nigerian, whether Togolese, we are all, whether slaves or free, whether you are a manager or a messenger. You have been made to drink of one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one, but many members. So you must understand that though we are all different, we are all serving one purpose. Therefore, we must understand that we are in partnership with each other in this kingdom assignment. Say, I'm in partnership with you. Yeah. That's, yes. Whether I'm a manager, whether I am a slave, whether I am rich, 
Whether I am poor, we are all fulfilling kingdom assignment. That means that if we are going to be effective, we must learn to work with others. We must learn to work with others. I want to say that team playing in what is one of the most important leadership attitudes we must have. So if you are not a team player, you have a leadership deficiency. It's not pride. It's not that you know too much. If you cannot use gifts around you, if you cannot use people around you, if you cannot get things done by the rest of you and only you to be, want to be seen, then you have a leadership deficiency. Until yesterday, I never came here. Whatever started from December last year, a team was working on it. I never came here. They go and come back and give me feedback. One of the greatest things a leader must know is that use people around you. If somebody has a better skill more than you, let the person do it. You are the leader. You are the leader. So the ability for you to use people to achieve kingdom assignment shows that you are wise. But if you are in a ministry and you cannot work with other people and every time you are creating chaos, you are satanic. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. I'm, oh, this, this is serious. You are satanic. This is a serious meeting. That is why normally in every team, God brings gifted people with different skills to join the team. And one of the things thing you must understand is that anytime God wants to move a group, he sends gifted people to us. And sometimes their leverage is higher than yours. Their capacity is higher than yours. But the wisdom is that that is a good gift. I want to use it. So, if you are not a team player and you are in a group and all you create is chaos, all you create is strife, you are operating witchcraft. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You are operating witchcraft. If I cannot do accounting and I have a good account, I cannot do administration and I say I'll do everything. I will not achieve anything. Yeah. And normally, God will send gifts to you. That is why I was saying that when I was preaching that a good research is not what you write alone. It's what you pull from other people on the same topic and put it together to produce a paper. So, your lecturer marks you not on what you write, but the, gen the, the authorities you have quoted. The references you have done. So in the group, God will send you people. Sometimes a group can be there and there may not be somebody with a particular skill. But all of a sudden, God will send that person to you. And when you discover the thing, say, can you help me do this? I think I can do it very effectively. Do it this way. Do it that way for me. And you just go and present it. And the funny thing is that nobody knows the person did it. Say team playing. 
That is why we are in partnership with others. So if somebody can sing a solo, but you have been in the choir for a long time, and you can't sing a solo, don't be angry when the person is giving the mic to sing. If somebody can organize the chapel better and follow up people better, let them do the work and come and give you feedback. Because we are in partnership with each other. We are not in competition. We are in commission. We are not in competition. We are in a commission. And the commission is to get kingdom assignment done. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. That is why I like my, my brother, Pastor Moasari. Because anytime I have to even do something, I say, could you, I'm thinking about this. You know, what do you think about it? Sometimes when I want to fire some powerful missiles out of frustration, he says, oh, Eric, you could take your time, take your time. He has a way of talking to me. And I say, okay, then I, I get the other side. We have a church board. We go to the church board meeting. Sometimes I want to do something, but they say, oh, why won't you look at this way? Let's why don't you look at this way? And the purpose is that as I sit there, I analyze whatever they are saying, and we put it together and come to a compromise. I don't go and say that, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. No, you're not the boss. You are very insecure. That is why, let me just pass by this tree. That's why in every group, if there's going to be leadership, you must get a critical person, a doer, and an initiator. There's somebody who initiates, but you can't do it. There's somebody who will be a critic. And the person is not criticizing you, but he wants you to see the all sides of the coin. Then there's somebody who carries it out, but he might not be able to initiate it. So in choosing leadership, in your various ministries, look out for people like that. Somebody can criticize you, but he's not, he doesn't hate you. All he's trying to do is to get you, get you into balance. Hallelujah. If we are able to do that, we must know that for the blessing to come on the church, it means that we must be ready to be sharpened. Say sharpened. If for the blessing to rest on any local church, we must be ready to be blessed, uh, sharpened. Let's go to Psalm 133 verse 1 to 3. Psalm 133 verse 1 to 3. Then I'll be concluding. Psalm 133 verse 1 to 3. It means from, from verse 1, it said that, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard. The beard of Aaron, running down the edge of his garment, is like the dew of Hermon, descending on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord command the blessings and life forevermore. For there. For there. Now, there are three things in this text. Some say headship. Followership and body. Very important. Now, the Bible says that the oil is poured on the head of Aaron. Now, in the typical Jews, Jewish rabbi doesn't cut his beard. He trims his beard. Aaron doesn't cut his beard, but trims. As a matter of fact, 
what happened in the Bible was that when Aaron was chosen, before you can become a priest, Aaron's garment was one. Garment that was sewn for him. So all the sons of Aaron must have the stature of Aaron. None should be taller, none should be shorter. Because when he's taller, there will be a way under the garment. And when he goes into the holies of holy, the glory will hit him and he will die. When he's shorter, he will also drag the garment on the floor. So one of the assignments, of the, I don't know how God did it, but God made sure that all the sons of Aaron have the same height, the same stature as Aaron. Oh yes, check. Check. The Levites, the, the high priest, that's how they were, because the garment was one. So the garment that one person, Aaron wore, was what? Abita and all of them wore. Hallelujah. Now, any time the head received the oil, it must go through the beard. Now, the beard is symbolic of leadership. Leadership is, sim is symbolic of the beard, of the priest. The priest does not cut off their beard, but they trim it. Why do they trim it? They trim it because when the oil is, if it is trimmed well and combed well, when the oil is poured, it flows through it. Is somebody hearing me? Nowadays we have young men growing a very nice beard, fine. But the beard is trimmed. When the beard is not trimmed and it is not combed well, it can soak the oil. That's how come sometimes the oil is poured on the headship but it only comes to the leadership and remain there. And the only way leadership can be prepared and sharpened is to be trimmed. What are we doing in this camp? We are trimming you up. We are trimming you up. So that the oil can flow. So what is on headship can flow to us, can flow to the, to the body. So for any leadership to be matured, you must be ready to be trimmed. And sometimes, I remember when I was with Pastor Kujo, and I thank God for his life, he'll be speaking tomorrow. I stayed under that man for six years. He taught me how to pastor. I remember one time, Pastor, I invited him to come and preach. When I went to Aspen, he said, Eric, you're not going away, sit down. And I had to call Pastor Muda, I, I can't come and preach. And he called Pastor Muda, I'm not allowing Eric to come. And I was not leading prayer. I was not doing anything. He said, sit down, because I'm preaching a series you need to hear. I was, mm. But God spoke to me that God will not give you a leader you want by a leader you need. So sometimes, your pastor may be hard on you, may demand something from you, but it is trimming you for what is coming. And today, I thank God that I stayed under that man for six years. That is when I learned how to pastor, how to manage people. Because those who know me, I was a volatile traveling minister. So when I was in Bible school, I was you cry, you shouldn't pastor, you should be roaming around. And I like it very much. My energy is for that. But I learned to be patient. I learned to sit down. I learned to tolerate people. I learned to take my time for people. I learned to love people. In those days, when I'm going to preach at Calvary Temple, people don't come to church because I'm very, very hard. When I see something wrong, I'll tell you. You went here, you did that, you did that, you did that. But it doesn't grow church. 
love people, spend time with them, help them. So the body is symbolic of the congregation. It means that if leadership is effective, the same oil that is on headship can flow through the body. That is why if you serve in a ministry, you must always be in sync with your pastor. The pastor shouldn't say something and you say the opposite. I am not saying that you will not think. Sometimes, the time he has said it, you may not understand. But as you journey in life, there are things I always say that years ago, and one day after I started pastoring, I went to him and said, Pastor Kujo, I now understand some of the things you, you do. Because those days, I didn't understand some of the things. And, and one of the days, I didn't understand, and I went to sleep in the night. Then I, it came into me, my dream, and laid hands on me, began to prophesy to me what I have never told anybody God spoke to me. What was God telling me? Stay there, stay there, stay there. Let your heart be in alignment. So, when you belong to a team of church worker, be in sync with your pastor. So that the oil will flow. Hallelujah. So how does God want us to live as team, work in the team? Let's go to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read from verse 9. And this is what we have to live with each other in peace. He said, let love be with the hypocrisy. So in the team, love people. Don't be, don't be a hypocrite. Let love be with the hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. You can't talk wrongly about my general overseer and I don't encourage people to talk wrong about my general overseer in my presence. I'll walk away. That's how come I've been invited because we all have the same spirit. One day we had to go to another meeting and I said, I'm, I'm tired of this, Eric. I'm, we are sold out. Talking about Greater West meetings. We are sold out. We said, Eric, we are sold out. And that is it. So you must be, don't be a big hypocrite in the team. Abhor that which is evil, cling to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate towards one another with brotherly love and in honor giving preference to one another. Sometimes when I'm called to do a specific thing, one time I was called to Joy FM that I should come and speak on a particular thing. I told the Joy FM group that I can't speak on this. And I called another pastor that go and do it. Why? I could have gone. It's a matter of going to do research and going to talk. But it's not, it's not in my line of dexterity. So, you must prefer other people more than you. If somebody is good, acknowledge it. If somebody is doing well, acknowledge it. It doesn't take anything away from you. It does not take anything away from you. And be genuine about it. Don't be a hypocrite. Hallelujah. And it says that not lacking in diligence. That means if you're serving a ministry, don't be slothful. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Because the fact that you are serving in church does not mean you will not go through trouble. The fact that you are serving in church, that does not mean you will not be unemployed. 
The fact that you are going to a seven-inch does not mean everything will be hunky-dory. As a matter of fact, that is where God will contest you to see whether I can trust you. That's where God can test you to see. Those days I was a prayer warrior. I would pray for people and they get breakthrough and I'm unemployed. But I'm still praying. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Distributing the needs to the saints and giving to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And I can boldly say it on my feet, on this holy altar. I've never opened my mouth to curse anybody. It's it's demonic. It's demonic. It's demonic. But one of the things I also tell you is that when you fight somebody wrongly, the covenant the person has with God will fight you. Let me just pass through that region. And it says that rejoice with those who rejoice. So the person had a baby, rejoice with the person. The person was promoted, he rejoice. If the person bought a car, go and smell the seat of the car and sow a seat. Don't see the person, uh, 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 we don't know, we have to watch him. Uh, we have to see how he got this car. When that person is blessed, go and shake him. Congratulations. This is my offering because, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I remember, I had Dr. Miles Moro that said one day he met uh, Bishop Crifodola, uh, Dr. Crifodola in a conference. And when they were at the back of the, of the, of the green room, he met and said, hey, you were here. He said, yes, I just came with my private jet. It's okay, I'm believing God with the, for a private jet. This is my offering. He wrote a check for for dollar because he's in the realm he is not in yet can you believe that within three months he went to preach somewhere they said they were going to drop him off in Bahamas and when they flew him with the plane when they got there they handed over the key to him he's the same aircraft unfortunately he had a, he had a, a, a crash with but it's because he sold so when you see somebody prosper when you see somebody in the group doing well be happy about it Rejoice about it. Be excited about it. Don't be suspicious of people. Be of the same mind towards one another. Set your mind on things above. Be, be as, don't, but associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't repay one evil for evil. I am in this department. He has done something wrong. I'll do the same thing to the person. Doesn't work that way. Have regard for good things in the sight of him. If it's possible, as much as it depends on, live peaceable with all men. Behold, do not avenge yourselves, but rather, but rather, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, or rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For in so doing, you heap coals of fire on your head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I want to say that if we are going to be church workers who will be effective, this should be our watchword. Let's be team players. Let's work with each other. Let's accept each other's gifts. Let's not undermine our own team. Let's not be people 
in a team that caused chaos. And every time the team can be harmonious until somebody comes in and begins to cause chaos. Learn to work with difficult people. It's a skill. It's a leadership skill. There's some people, they are just difficult. Manage them. And the Lord will help you. I am Eric Hill I certify and endorse this word.